0: FM 104's Room 104 Podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon
3: you listen to Room 104, it's Cormac and Searsha here, 0876797104, that's the number you can use to WhatsApp us in for free. If you want to shout it, I don't know why you'd want to text us, but sure, look, Uh, every Monday at this time on the show, we love speaking to our resident, Dr. Wider, joined us on the line again this evening. Doc, how are you?
1: Good, thanks guys,
2: how are you? We're great, we had a good weekend.
3: (laughs) The the weather has taken a turn for the South, so we're now into pure misery for the rest probably for the rest of the year. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs)
2: apparently it's meant to snow this week,
1: which doesn't help. We're having the same thing in the New York area of the United States, by the way. So oh, okay. we can we can play our small violins together. Oh, amazing. <laughs>
3: This evening, we're going to be talking about some of the top 10 what's it, health myths that people still kind of believe.
1: That's right. And I think what's really funny is that there are these myths that have been perpetuated, whether on mass email or whether you see them in the news or sometimes in you know different outlets that may not be uh, totally valid. And the unfortunate thing is a lot of people continue to believe this stuff. So let's get into it. The first one is to drink eight glasses of water a day. This is a really interesting one, because if you're not prone to dehydration, research tells us that people should drink when they're thirsty, and that will dictate whether they get enough to stay healthy and hydrated. So in the eight glasses of water is a little bit of a myth because foods like fruit and vegetables, juices, even coffee and tea, even though coffee is a diuretic and it makes you pee, <laughs> it still counts for your daily intake of fluid. So the, the best way to tell is if you go to sleep and you wake up and your urine is really, really dark yellow or during the day it's dark yellow, you may be, you know, dehydrated or underhydrated and that's when you may want to increase the amount of fluid you're drinking. But to keep to that eight to 10 glasses a day is really just a myth.
3: This has been around for years yeah. and I always hear people kind of nearly panicking that, oh, I, I didn't get my eight glasses a day and then they go out and buy themselves, like me, an overpriced stainless steel flask thinking that they're going <laughs> to, Gonna make them drink more. But where did this come from? Like
1: because there are definitely benefits for staying hydrated, right? So one of them is we are chronically dehydrated. A lot of people walk around in a dehydrated state and you could see it with the quality of your skin if you break out and you're prone to acne. If you feel lightheaded, sometimes doctors will work you up and one of the biggest differential in the diagnosis list is dehydration. But for most people, 8 to 10 glasses a day is usually much more than you need, especially if they're eating well, having soup and fruit and vegetables and other drinks. It doesn't have to be Pure water, but I'll tell you this: if you're looking to lose weight, getting in enough water during the day or enough fluid for that matter really can help. Because oftentimes, when you feel really, really hungry and you're dieting, or you're just hungry in general, you may confuse that with being thirsty. And if you just drink something, it will take away the sensation to overeat, and that helps a lot of people that are trying to diet.
2: It's weird to say that somebody should have eight to ten glasses of water because, like, look at me and you. I'm yeah. tiny. I'm five yeah. foot one. You know, I'm much smaller than than Cormac is. So if I'm drinking eight glasses of water and you're drinking eight glass right. of water it's a huge difference and when I do tend to try and be Healthy, quote unquote, and drink all this water. I'm either A, in the toilet the whole time, or exactly. B, I'm
1: actually cold from drinking so much water. Yeah, and, and it's a good point. Like, sarah has a great point. Like, a lot of people, if they drink too much water or they're overhydrated, they can be really, really cold. And the less you weigh, the, the more you're going to feel that. So, yeah, you're right. It is in a prescription that it's not one size fits all here. And people have different, you know, needs and different things that they need to do in order to stay healthy. But, you know, for the most part, if you're urinating and you're, you're is clear to light yellow, you're perfectly hydrated.
2: Okay, so we don't have to worry about glasses of water as
1: such. Just look Correct. at your... you don't have to count them emphatically, exactly. Okay. Look at your pee. Exactly, all right. Yeah, last week I had you smelling your bodily fluids. This week I want you to examine
2: your urine. That's perfect.
1: That works for me. (laughs) The next myth is about eggs being bad for your heart. This comes in and out of the news all the time, right? So we hear one thing one year and then the next thing another year about eggs being bad. It raises your cholesterol. It's not good for people that have high cholesterol or at risk for heart disease. The truth is if you look at the research, eating an egg or two per day, now that's per day. So we're talking like seven eggs a week or even 14 eggs a week. doesn't significantly raise the risk of heart disease in most healthy people. The yolks do have cholesterol but for the majority of us who don't have risk factors for heart disease the amount found in any one of these foods isn't as bad for you as the mix of fats from everything else that you eat so if you're if you're an egg lover it has a lot of nutrients in it from omega-3s to lots of different things that could potentially lower your risk for heart disease not to mention they're very filling and they're good for people on a diet so you know omelet yeah. lovers rejoice by like Well to say I did read it. a story <laughs> today about a guy who ate 50 eggs and he died <laughs> No. Well, and just that's, that's the go? issue, right? Every, yeah. There was an interesting story running here like in the last few weeks about a guy who was on a Big Mac diet. Did you see that?
3: No, but mm. I want to know.
1: So he was on a Big Mac diet just to prove that it really is calories in and out in terms of dieting. And he yeah. had a Big Mac every day for 30 days and he ended up losing weight, which is wild. Right, so- what's his name?
3: So we can get him a- <laughs> <laughs> We'll get him on next week. We can yeah, go, really. Right.
1: I, he'd be, I, I actually will pass along his information Dude. because it's a great interview. I want but, all right. to have that diet. Yeah. yeah. And the truth is, like, what he's trying to prove is that we all go crazy with these diets. And the truth is, when it comes down to it, when you want to lose weight, you have to take in, you know, a certain amount of calories and burn a certain amount of calories if you want to lose a pound. And it's figured out scientifically. So if you're on the keto diet, if you're, you know, eating nuts like the caveman diet, whatever is in vogue, Atkins, anything that is going in the trendy diet, they're just ways to cut off calories. And at the end of the day, if you are just getting... 800 calories from the Big Mac, and let's say you're eating vegetables with that, you're still going to lose weight. And he did this to prove it, and and he proved it.
3: Yeah, you see, I I wouldn't be able to add vegetables in on top of it; it would be like the milkshake and donuts yeah. and the rest of it. So unfortunately, not. Right, right. The, the, the worst thing <laughs> and I hate you're about over
1: it, the amount of calories. Yeah, exactly. and, then, and then we're <laughs> back in
3: the doctors, and we've high blood pressure. We're going to die of a heart attack, and it's just never never any good. You're going to die anyway. Though. Ah, sure. No, the worst part about I hate about these myths is not necessarily them themselves. Is that there's always someone in the office who has just either read one or heard about and as soon as you open something like the eggs they're like oh we shouldn't eat them and you're like why and they're like oh they're real bad for you and that's it and you're just it's dealing with people who have heard them from time to time and then give out to
1: you totally true I totally agree with you and that's the problem that's, that's why these myths are perpetuated because you hear them you hear them on the news sometimes you hear false news and it gets perpetuated and everyone believes it what Tersha was saying about the guy that ate 50 eggs you know I would have to say 50 is definitely an excess like you, you don't want to eat more than one to two eggs per day and this guy probably had underlying heart disease risk factors. So when I'm giving out these myths and telling you that eggs aren't bad for your health, the most important thing to remember is we all need to know our personal and family history of disease. That is vital. So if you are somebody that has risk factors for heart disease, you have Familial hypercholesterolemia, which is, means you have high cholesterol in your family, or you're obese, or you have diabetes—all of these are risk factors for heart disease. You're not going to want to pound fifty eggs, or you're going to be in big trouble. <laughs> yeah, very yeah. true. Okay, so everything All in right. moderation. Everything in moderation, absolutely. The next one is that antiperspirant causes breast cancer. Oh, I've heard this.
2: Really? Yeah.
1: Especially the spray. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And this is, and, and also there's aluminum in certain uh, deodorants and certain antiperspirants that people have found after breast cancer. Patients have had their lymph nodes biopsied and have the tumor itself biopsied. They found aluminum as a byproduct of these antiperspirants in the cancer inside the tumor itself. But this myth has been disproven. And the fact that those chemicals get absorbed into the body doesn't contribute to the risk of cancer. And that's been proven over and over and over again. Now, what's interesting is one of the most convincing things that I've seen about this is that men and women use the same sorts of products, right? So they're not Mm. really formulated differently. You may use a deodorant or an organic product that doesn't have an antiperspirant in it but men and women are using antiperspirants and the truth is that you know it's much more common to see breast cancer in a woman than it is in a man and if breast cancer was caused by an antiperspirant you'd see a lot more cases in men
3: I am going to say like, I've never heard that one before ever Mm,
1: I have
2: now and it's like a known thing among my friends to definitely not buy a spray deodorant that always buy a roll-on because whatever's in the spray like you said it can be found in a tumour which you're just saying is absolutely not true
1: Right, it's a complete myth and the same thing is true there are quite a few other myths surrounding breast cancer with underwire bras causing breast cancer there was an interesting case with a woman that kept her phone and held it in her bra, okay? This was an interesting case that I saw on the news. That's where she held her phone and she ended up getting breast cancer in the spot that the phone was, chronically. So, you know, we see a lot of mixed studies about whether the radiation coming off your cell mm-hmm. phone can cause cancer and it's important for people, you know, it's mixed. The science is mixed behind that, but putting your phone, you know, holding it next to your chest inside your bra, I would rec- I would probably recommend not doing that. I think it's really- Really smart to probably keep it in a bag, and for, and and the same thing goes for guys. Like guys that keep their cell phone in their front pocket near their junk. I think it's important. To maybe move that out and not not sit there all day with the cell phone right next to, you know, potentially your penis or even in the back of you. Although I haven't heard of any, you know, cancers in the rear end. I do think, you know, the science is out on that. So there's a question mark there. But as far as antiperspirants go and as far as underwire bras, they do not cause breast cancer. It's been proven pretty uh, definitively.
3: So seriously, does that mean you're going to start wearing some now? Because that'd be nice. The yeah, odour in the office is just terrific. <laughs> just.
2: I just go odour free. I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to go natural. You know, I don't want to get... Well, I'm trying to not get breast cancer, so... You know, right, well, B.O. is better than...
3: Yeah, there you go, the tumor. Yeah. yeah. Right, well, listen, glad that that's debunked now. The uh, B.O. or deodorant doesn't cause um, <laughs> uh, breast cancer. What else do we have?
1: All right, this is an old myth that you might have heard from your grandmother. But Being cold gives you a cold. I love this one. So, you know, my mom, when I was growing up, always was like, take your coat and she'll say that to me now as a grandma with my kids, make sure they're wearing a heavy winter coat. Especially if it's cold or we see, you know, one snowflake here. Mm. They've done many studies on this and it's absolutely not true. In fact, it's just the opposite. So they looked at healthy men and exposed them to temperatures just above freezing and they actually had an increase in their immune systems. It was a boost to the immune system. So you're more likely to get sick indoors where germs are much more easily passed than you are freezing your ass off outside.
3: So are you saying that being cold and freezing is a good Jennifer, thing?
1: Jennifer, do not say this.
3: Is this a is this a helping your immune system? <laughs>
1: Okay, so I'm not going to say... be. You don't want to be uncomfortably cold. Oh, uh, you, but do, I you do, you do. Well, once you're turning blue, it's not you good. A, <laughs> you have a studio debate there. I exactly. totally understand it. I think being uncomfortable isn't great, but if you're worried that being cold is going to give you a cold or you forgot your jacket, it's not going to do anything to you and it's not going to line you up to get sick.
2: There you go now. Well, in fairness, it is true because I'm cold constantly and yeah. I am rarely sick, so... Job done. But I think at the same time, if I'm in a studio and I'm si- sitting still and I'm turning blue, probably You're just hearing thing. from
3: a medical doctor that <laughs> This is the healthiest thing you can do. So we'll no, set it to like saying, minus no. four degrees. And uh, as you <laughs> will, get lines of bacon in there and everyone have a little side room four butchers open up as well. This could be fun. <laughs> right.
0: Uh- hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you.
3: So, apart from, so that's an interesting one. What else do we have?
1: All right. So, eating breakfast, if you skip breakfast, all right, wait. So, eating breakfast to lose weight, right? So, mm. people say that if you skip breakfast, you're going to gain weight, that breakfast is the most important meal of the day, and that if you skip it, you're going to overeat at lunch and dinner. OK, mm. so most people will tell you don't skip breakfast if you're dieting, you want to keep your metabolism going and going, et cetera, et cetera. What's interesting about this is they did a, a report at a university called Cornell University uh, Medical Center, which is in New York, in the States. And they found that the non-breakfast crab did not overeat at lunch and dinner, and they ate roughly 400 fewer calories a day, oh. which means that... Ooh. Skipping breakfast for some people may be a healthy way to shed pounds. Now, don't get me wrong. Some people, you know, are starving and they need to have breakfast, et cetera. But I know a lot of people that naturally can skip breakfast and they don't really get hungry around noon. And that works for that intermittent fasting. Remember, we mentioned that one of those weeks of people that are intermittent fasting. If part of that in your, you know, intermittent fasting is very effective for losing weight. And if part of that is skipping breakfast and it works for you, you can just ignore the myth of eating breakfast, you know, eating breakfast to lose weight. Weight because it's not true.
2: Yeah, there's that whole thing like have breakfast like a king, have dinner like a queen, and then have like your essentially your main meal should be smallest. Which most people here in Ireland would have their dinner at like 7 pm, but you're meant to eat the most in the morning and then go smaller and smaller. And smaller. Oh, really? That's what they say. Yeah, oh. so it's I definitely not- heard it.
3: I definitely do that in reverse. I eat very little throughout the day and then after the show I'll just go and gorge yeah. for about an hour or so.
2: <laughs>
3: okay, so... Listen, yeah. That's that, that on. What else do we have?
1: All right, we got sugar making kids hyper or, or adults hyper for that matter. Okay, so the science is in on this one also. So sugar is definitely not good for anybody. It's not good for kids. It's not good for adults. But sugar has been proven that it will not cause kids to be hyperactive, have them act out hurt their schoolwork or being unable to focus, which it's been accused of doing. So many parents believe there's a link to this right they think their kids are going to behave badly after they have sugary food yeah mm. it's completely placebo so if you give your kid uh you know cotton candy and he starts jumping up and down in his seat, there's no link to that at all none really
3: oh uh, like you're gonna have so many parents <laughs> listening to this right now going absolute yeah. bs
1: <laughs> well all right so there's definitely attention deficit hyperactivity disorder that that people are diagnosed with yeah What I'm trying to say is it's not going to cause a sense of hyperactivity in your kids. It definitely isn't. If you give your kids, like, let's say you have a chocolatey dessert before it's bedtime, it's more likely that the caffeine in the chocolate is something that wakes your child up and may make them a little bit jittery. Uh, it's not the sugar. Uh, um, kids are not going to behave a certain way after eating sugary foods. Can it give you a quick jolt of energy, potentially? But it's not going to do all of the things that you know the, that we've seen in the media, where it hurts kids' focus. They're not going to be able to sit still. It hurts their schoolwork. It makes them act out. It doesn't do any of that.
3: Yeah, I mean, is is it the case of if you if you just have an annoying kid, you've an annoying kid regardless <laughs> of the food. You can <laughs> blame the food, but you're just yes. a terrible parent. <laughs>
1: That's right. right. You have to turn inward and and try to (laughs) do some soul searching because it's your parenting. And it's funny because there will definitely, you know, I'm sure I'm going to get some notes after this from some of the listeners. But but what's interesting about this study, and this comes from a a body of research. This is not Don't Kill the Messenger. It's not me. (laughs) The body of research is showing us, you know, it's dangerous to make one food group evil. Right. And that's the problem. Sugar is definitely 2018-19. It's sugar as the evil. You know, we've gone through fat. We've gone through sugar we've gone to carbohydrates we're right now focusing on the negative stuff and sugar and certainly it's not healthy don't get me wrong I'm not saying you should have diet in sugar you know just solely in sugar but it is really important to recognize that it isn't the sole reason that your child is unable to focus it may contribute to it a little but according to the study it's not contributing to it at all
2: damn it so why didn't I know this information when I was six and seven when When my my mom kept saying that
3: no 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 well back in my day it was was e-numbers do you remember them oh yeah parents were grabbing look at the amount of e-numbers in our frying your brain you're like ah oh, relax don't worry about <laughs> and that they may be slightly different but I'm not running out of time here but uh, I don't want to keep it too long doctor white but what are the the last few quick ones there m- m- health myths that you you'd like to just quickly mention before All right,
1: we here, here's it here, last two cracking joints causing arthritis oh, yes yeah. this is this is a good one <laughs> oh he's doing it right now <laughs> gross
2: That's disgusting. Just my thumb out please don't
1: right and uh, so many people like parents have always told their kids don't crack your knuckles or you're gonna get arthritis mm. completely false okay now listen if you over crack a certain joint you can definitely hurt that joint you can you can have an injury all right yeah. mm. but if you have a habit of cracking your knuckles many people think it's the bones and joints that rub together to cause the noise but that isn't the case it's a gas bubble that forms between the bones and it pops so if you like doing it you can keep on doing it it does not show any it does not play a role in arthritis at all the problem is that if you hurt your joint and you're trying to crack it to alleviate the pain and you feel regular or severe pain you don't want to do that because you're aggravating what could potentially be an injury in the joint but not caused by cracking it but it can't be healthy it's harmless okay it's definitely harmless the issue is If you overextend, some people, you know, are OCD and they'll overextend their fingers and pull them out of the socket and push down the finger over and over and over again. You can cause an injury. But if you're doing it periodically, you're not harming yourself at all. And your knuckles aren't going to grow larger either. That was another one I heard when I was younger. Oh, amazing. You're going to get large, fat knuckles if you keep doing that. So
3: I can crack away in the studio. No, don't do it. And the final one there, doctor.
1: (laughs) So the final one. Last but not least is um, holding in your, holding in a bowel movement is bad for your digestive system, okay? All right. Now, you can hold in a bowel movement and not harm yourself, but you don't want to hold it in for an extended period of time. This is the interesting thing about this. Holding in urine can actually be dangerous because particularly in women who are more prone to urinary tract infections, if you hold in your urine too much too often, then unfortunately you can... Like, the the bladder can start to, like, uh, bacteria can start to colonize within your bladder if you hold it in too long. The same is not true for a bowel movement. It may make you feel crampy and all of that other stuff, but you can try to hold it in. It's not going to harm your digestive tract. It's not going to do anything for you. It's not going to cause hemorrhoids either. <laughs> hemorrhoids are caused by constipation and over pushing your bowel movement. Ugh. Um. And having a difficult time having a bowel movement. Holding it in um, is not going to do anything. It's not going to harm you. It can make you very uncomfortable, and it can make you brown out. (laughs) and feel dizzy but it's not going to do anything that's harmful to your body it's uncomfortable like i'll tell you a crazy story did i tell the story on the show where um this woman was holding her bowel movement on a plane that i was on i don't think so Oh, maybe not okay so a woman i was sitting across from had to go to the bathroom and we had landed and you know the sensation when you finally see a bathroom sign like the (laughs) gates open you know yeah Yeah, they do you're like holding it and holding it and You know, so we landed. So I'm sure this woman's entire body went into a sense of relaxation and relief because she knew she could undo her seatbelt and jump to the bathroom. Well, not true because we were taxing to the gate and we were on hold. We were stuck not at the gate. So we were slowly taxing and I could see this woman just sweating bullets and she raised her hand and told the stewardess that she had to go to the bathroom. She really had to go to the bathroom, had to go to the bathroom. Stewardess, you know, I guess it's against FAA regulations, would not let her up and she literally went to the bathroom on the scene. Oh, no. Oh, she didn't. The poor girl, that's awful. I, I felt so sorry for It was horrendous. And, you know, you felt so sorry for her. Of course, I'm across from her, which became an unpleasant situation cause she put a, uh, a blanket over her. But I'll tell you, I mean, that stewardess wishes she let her go to the yeah. bathroom because it was their mess to clean up for the next,
3: flight. Uh, I had something similar, one of the most embarrassing things that ever happened to me was on the way out to the Gaeltacht which is like Irish-speaking college down the country you go for a couple of weeks during school so and you, you learn, learn no Irish. You learn no Irish but we were going down, there's a convoy of like six buses and I was like, my stomach was in bits and I I was literally, it felt as if I was having labour pains, you know what I mean, I was having these convulsions <laughs> now, I was like, now, oh, oh my god <laughs> I might have been, um uh, so uh, whatever I had drank the night before was just trying to escape aggressively and I literally my mate beside me was in tears laughing because I was literally smashing my head off the seat before and trying desperately to hold all this in eventually it was like bus driver you're going to have to stop somewhere and he was like no 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 we're only 10 <gasps> minutes away from the from Did the halfway just... no we're only 10 minutes away from the halfway point and I was like yeah no, that's not going to last so I had to get the whole convoy <laughs> of six buses on the way down to the Gale Tuck, off the, the main road into a tiny little town ran into oh a shop I was like hi need to use your bathroom and then I got into the bathroom, couldn't
1: go. <laughs> what? Oh my god. How did that happen? There you go. Performance <laughs> know what happened,
3: but I, I, I couldn't go. Anyway, after about 10-15 minutes I wound up I wound up going and then just back destroying the poor toilet. B- back onto the bus and uh, it's not a, it's not a good way to make a first impression, I'll tell you that.
2: <laughs> well it could have been a lot worse it could be have been a hell
3: of a lot worse again yeah. if, I, if there was FAA regulations and I wasn't allowed to leave the seat there would have been a far worse nickname
1: definitely,
3: definitely. <laughs> But um, oh. Dr. Wider thanks a million again for popping on we're, we're kind of running out of timer so we must move on but um, it's Dr. Wider on Twitter where else do you want to send people to for your uh, social handles
1: I'm just at Dr. Wider D-R-W-I-D-E-R across social
0: media lovely well Perfect. thanks again for popping on we'll speak to you again soon alright thanks guys talk to
1: you soon